Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through. I'm Paul Verhoeven and every week I chat with my dad, John Verhoeven, who used to be a cop, but as pertains to this season, he used to be a firefighter. Dad, how are you doing? Paul, I am fascinated by small things. (laughs) There's a joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm looking over at uh, my collection of things that I collect, and they're small. As as everyone knows, I'm a practicing minimalist. I actually have a really interesting question. I think for you, Dad, one that you should really enjoy answering um, okay. from yep. from one of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, and it is from Paul Cush, and Paul wants to know, John, what's the scariest fire you've been in? The scariest fire I've ever been in. Yep. Was I mean I've been in some really horrific chemical incidents where I could easily have died if I had have scratched, torn a uh, uh, even a tiny scratch or hole in my fully encapsulated suit, I would have been exposed to diabolical gases and died, mm. probably inside the suit, which is kind of cool. But a fire that I went to, I mean bushfires are also very scary, but without a doubt. The scariest fire I ever went to. If ever you went to a fire out of area where you just felt that you didn't know, you know, and you're working with a crew that you didn't know because, you know, you know that I was relieving. So quite often, in fact, pretty well all the time I'd be working with fires that I didn't know, which was why it was so important to have procedures, yeah, sort of international procedures. So it was a derelict house uh, in Sydney. And when we got to, to the... Uh, fire it was thought that there was someone inside and uh, two of us we got our charge lines had our breathing apparatus on Mm -hmm. and we approached this old fibro house and fibro is dangerous we all know aside from whether it's on fire or not it's just really bad to get into a into a fiberglass situation or you know why is this a hazardous uh, when fiberglass burns sorry not fiberglass um asbestos Oh, shit, you know, okay. So yeah. it was, you know, a lot of the old um, houses in the in Australia in the 40s and 50s and probably into the 60s used fibreglass. Not fibreglass. Why do I keep saying that? Um, they asbestos. use asbestos sheeting and, uh, you know, we all know about the dangers of, of that. Um, and that's a, so that was as a form of insulation, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was actually a primary building material. Mm. The actual outer 
Um, if you look at any of the housing commission houses, particularly back in the 50s and 60s in Sydney, mm. a lot of them were just raw fibro sheeting that they'd paint. Fiberglass or fibro is, um, if it's in perfect condition, it's fine. It's when you start smashing it and it starts to deteriorate that right. the particles can get into your lungs. Yeah, so yeah. we go into this fire mm-hmm. with the thought that someone was uh, still inside and the station officer, his his role was to um, was to cut the power because we're in this situation where you know the floor is very wet and um, electricity loves water. We were in there and he had organised for all the power to be cut off, which he did from the power running from the, the road, yeah. uh, like the main power pole, into the front of the house. Mm-hmm. What we didn't realise was that it was a bit of a dodgy house and some weird way or another this guy had been stealing power and he'd done it, he'd rerouted the electricity from the street behind and he'd tagged from the back of this other house through to the back of his house. So when the station officer cut the power, everyone was under the impression that we were safe and then um, all of a sudden the there were these flashes inside and um, I remember shouting out. But the, foul, the fire was really loud, it was about one in the morning, and um, we realised that we were actually in this whole <clears throat> live electrical house fighting f- a really big fire. And then all of a sudden the ceiling collapsed and these huge, um, these like, they were like sort of um, in a medieval movie when they used to fire those, those sort of big balls of molten hay and tar. Oh shit! Yeah, and like it's just, from a trebuchet. Yeah, from one of those things, and, and they were literally falling, falling, uh, fully on fire, and they were just sort of coming down with a big thud. And they they were the, these massive rats' nests that were up <gasps> in the ceiling. There were numerous rats' nests. People don't think about rats nesting. You normally think of a bird having a nest, but these rats had we... built these these incredible nests up in the um, up in the rafters. And there must have been probably eight or ten of them, and. Um, they were slowly igniting and the ceiling was giving way and they were just falling down and we were literally surrounded by by these burning... We didn't realise at first what they were. And then I remember hearing all these squealing noises and there were these rats that were on fire and they were all running. These. So, so we had a situation where we thought we were safe from an electrical perspective, but the fire they found out later, the electricity was running through the back of the house. So in actual fact, we were fighting in a really dangerous situation, house fully alight. Um, there was water everywhere, and then we had these these rats that were falling and screaming. And I don't like rats at the best of time, but these flaming rats that were coming down, and then they were scurrying around. They're obviously freaking out. You know, one minute they've been asleep in their comfy little nests up top, and then all of a sudden they're in free fall, and then they land um, in this sort of inferno that's kind of wet as well. And then uh, once the fireys realised that we still had power inside, they then had to run around and figure out, well, what on earth is, you know, supplying the house? And eventually they cut that. And uh, fortunately, there was no one in the house, but it was a, it was a full-on fire. And, and on, it was one of those rare occasions where I also got to see the seat of the fire, you know, that, that little white ball. So that was, that was pretty, pretty full-on. That's... I can't believe I've never heard that story before. Mm. Rats. Mm. Yeah. Flaming rats. Should we call this episode Flaming Rats? Yeah, that's a good idea. 
All right, done. Well, if you're listening to the episode, you already know what it's called, in which case either we've called it Flaming Rats and you're like, yeah, no shit, or you're wondering why it's called something else because <laughs> we changed our minds later in the episode. But um, that was a great question. Um, thank you, Paul Cush. I have another question here for you, Dad, and um, this is from Andrew Manley. Somewhat left field, given the typical discussion, but curious to know what John's opinion on indigenous traditional methods regarding land and vegetation and bushfire management, whether he believes there is value in this approach and if it would apply to contemporary environmental conditions. Andrew. Wow, that's a uh, that's a goodie, isn't it? They're getting a lot of that's getting a lot of courage at the moment. You know, going back to the custodians of this uh, of this country, and yes, it definitely does work. I, you know, I'm just not quite. I mean, I agree totally, but I haven't really investigated and studied the whole topic enough but mm. i also think that we in the last 200 years have changed a lot of this country particularly our urban areas so it would mm. be very interesting to see whether those same systems that had been in place for between 40 and 60,000 years you know still work but i do know that they use them in the northern territory to to great um effect yeah so it's a it's a topic that i don't feel that i'm you know really qualified to talk about but i think also that in terms of you know fighting fire in Australia, I think any help and assistance we can get is um, you know really really much appreciated. But like I said, you know I don't really know a lot about it, but I'll definitely brush up on that if we ever we do another season on uh, on firefighting. Oh, absolutely. Um, we also had a bunch of people that we wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode. Uh, we wanted to shout out Oliver Richardson, who's been listening in from Sweden, uh, Daniel Wood, who's a firefighter, and also. I'm sure you've got this a lot, Daniel, but your last name is Flammable, which must be odd given your profession. And uh, Nick Lefebvre. Nick Lefebvre. Lefebvre. And Nick Lefebvre, um, who was another firefighter um, down here in Melbourne. And also, thank you so much to everybody else who's been listening and sending in great questions. Uh, Dad, you had a few things you wanted to talk about today on the show. Um, You sent me a couple of keywords. You said acids and Barbie doll. Now, I'm used to kind of just you know, random things coming out of your mouth. But why did you want to talk about Barbie dolls? Well, you know, I've got this um, this contact. Yep. I'll call this particular person Deep deep Cover. How's that sound? And this particular person, uh, we were discussing objects. Yes. As opposed to objet d'art. You know, rare and What's, priceless items. Sounds like, sounds like you were discussing objet d'art. <laughs> well, we were actually because this person, they received uh, a person got came into hospital the person was very embarrassed, obviously, well, for obvious reasons that will become very apparent. Mm. The word was that somehow or other a Barbie doll, and we all know the height of Barbie dolls, do we? They're a good 12 inches, aren't they? Yeah, it's, yeah, they're pretty long. Yeah, yeah and, and they could actually be longer if we were to get the Barbie doll and extend her arms above her head. I reckon we get an extra three inches. Sure. So we're maybe talking 15 inches. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to figure out whether or not she's wearing high-heeled shoes, which would give her another inch. What are we up to now? Basically a foot. Are you counting, point. Paul? I'm trying. I'm, We're I, up to it, 16 inches. I'm kind of just trying to figure out where this is going. Oh, well, in terms it was going. Of, can you? Right. It, it was going fair up this guy's ass. Okay. Okay. Up, right up his Barbie fold and gone. Okay. Up and gone. Yeah. Up and at him. Up the chute. And no one could quite believe. Feet first? Uh, actually, she went... Um, I mean, it's fair to say she, being Barbie, but it wasn't Ken. Also, it should be pointed out that some Barbies actually have stands. And she also had a camper. 
Yeah, the camper's not going up there unless you no. put it up piece by piece and then just keep flexing until it's assembled itself. You actually could. There are there are various things that could be in, in assembled. Yeah. If you had one of those little cameras on the end of a little rubber hose. Oh sure. Mm. Yeah. And it'd have to have its own lighting system as well. I think we're getting a bit off track, Paul. We are getting off track. Um, for once in the entire season, I'm going to pull you back on track. Thank God. And say that um, once the staff had seen the X-rays, they realised that there was in fact uh, an entire Barbie doll. She. I actually inquired whether she had any accessories, uh, like a handbag, mm-hmm. and they said no, she didn't carry her handbag on that occasion. And they also said, funnily enough, that they she'd actually, I say she'd taken her little shoes off. Um, well, obviously someone else had done that. And uh, yeah, so when you think about the Barbie doll, um, I'm not sure whether it was, the Barbie had its clothes on at the time. Uh, I guess an appropriate form would have been a swimsuit, perhaps a one piece. I'm completely losing it here, aren't I? Yes, you are. You are. Is there a point apart from the point on the Barbie, which would have been very painful? And no, no, no. The point is that it's a sort of a <clears throat> it's a follow-on. It's an addendum to last week's episode about uh-huh. various. And I've done a bit of research, and I've had some feedback from various listeners, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's been disturbing to say the least. Well, we had a really interesting piece of correspondence from Colm. Uh, and Colm messaged you and said, Hi, John, thought to message you about the last Solution News podcast where you were talking about acids and nasty chemicals when you said your favorite acid. I thought to myself about hydrofluoric acids. I worked in a semiconductor manufacturer in Ireland some years ago and the services they have in the pipes, one of them was that. They described which was looking like water dropping onto your arm from which point it would absorb into your body and start dissolving the calcium in your body, at which point you had a very short time to amputate the arm and once it spread, you were done for. Was told this, not sure how accurate it was or if it was just tales, but maybe think twice. That's crazy. You wanted to talk about acids. Now, is that why you wanted to talk about acids? That well, correspondence? I, I thought I'd um, touch on acids. Um, if I did touch on them, I guess we should both wear rubber gloves. Yeah. Yep. But, but rubber is not always um, good enough because some acids will eat through pretty well anything. Right. And there are what are called super acids that are something like two trillion times more concentrated than sulfuric acid. Two trillion. Is that possible? I just find it really interesting that firefighters don't have, you know, because it seems like dealing with spills is a very big part of their jobs. Massive. And it's not, it's not in the name. Do you find that weird? Do you mean we should be called fire, rescue and acid fighters? Acid fighters, or, the, or you could have like a separate wing. Because, you know, okay, in the police force, you've got the air wing, you've got detectives, homicide, vice, blah, blah, general duties, all that mm. other stuff. Mm. In the fire brigade, it seems like you've got ranks of firefighter and then you've got oh, ladder well, you've got, drivers. Yeah, but you've also got ha- the hazmat group, hazardous yes. materials response, and that they, in a major chemical incident, they'll respond because they've got shitloads of, you know, appropriate chemicals to to because a lot of chemicals and reagents will actually neutralize a lot of acids right but do you have you ever seen hydrochloric acid if you just put a little bit like a drop on um on concrete have you ever no. seen what happens no it, it it gives off this this sort of greeny yellow ooze it it fizzes and bubbles and it starts to eat away at the concrete right. really quickly but it gives off a vapor if you get that vapor into your lungs you know, you've got you've got some problems, but then you've got that's a relatively common acid that, that is available. I mean, brick cleaning is used. You can you can buy it at the hardware store. You can buy acid. The, yeah, muriatic acid, it's called right. hydrochloric, 
And if you were to sort of drink a cup of that, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be good. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But like a lot of acids, you can just dissolve them in water and that, and that helps. But there are lots and lots of dangerous chemicals. Um, chlorine's a very bad one. And um, and in relation to the, the question, what the gentleman is referring to are those signs. Have you ever seen those signs where they've got a drop coming down onto a limb and the limb's kind of all sort of the skin's being separated? And it's sort of, it's you get the sense that this particular chemical, if it gets on you, you're, you're up shit creek without a paddle. You've, yeah. So, but... His analogy or his thinking was that once the acid touches the bone, it begins to sort of creepily burn out your entire body. A little bit like um, one of those creams that you can use for skin cancer. And the cream actually follows the cancer. And if you've got one on your nose, for example, you know, it looks pretty crooked. It sort of almost seems to sort of scab and blister and pus up and kind of eat your nose away. But then it heals. But it's not very nice to go out in public because it can scare people. Um, it's an acid. If if you get acid on your skin, most acids will will cause a burn and might cause a blister. Yeah. But as soon as you pour water over that particular, um, if it's say hydrochloric acid, it'll 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 neutralize it, and and it's not going to eat all the way through. It takes a long time for acid, most acids, to eat through because there are so many different chemicals and compounds and fats and 
um, you know, things that go to make up the human body. I mean, there's mm. obviously the, the calcium in the bones. And if you had a, like a raw bone that had been dried um, and you put that in a particular type of acid, that may well eat, be eaten away very quickly. You know, but back in the 40s in, in London when they had the famous acid bath murderer who got rid of um, six bodies in acid, you can do a really, really good job by getting rid of the body. But you've still got the, the, the ooze or the syrup or this sort of gelatinous substance. And from that, with you know the scientists, the forensic um, people, they can still extract human DNA from that from that sort of that juice and they can then determine whether or not it was for example human or animal um, some organic creature that was originally in that particular um, vat so in terms of getting rid of the body completely you know it's it's uh it's pretty hard to do with acid have you ever seen a body that's been affected by acid or did you deal with any crimes that uh revolved around acid i do know that um you remember I was telling you that one of the best places to find remnants of a body that has been, for example, flushed away down perhaps a toilet is to go onto the outside of the building, which is what they used to do, and they used to remove the S-bend, which would trap heavier particles. Yeah. And within the S-bend, they often found, you know, fragments of, uh, of the body. But no, I've never ever been, not knowingly, been involved in the case where acid was used but when I was in work cover, you know, I investigated a couple of nasty accidents. You know, the, I guess one place on your body you don't want to get acid is in your eyes. You know that in uh, in certain countries, um, you know, people use um, acid to uh, to throw on people. Um, I'm not quite sure what the acid is, but you know that you've seen. I guess a lot of us have seen what it can do to the human skin in terms of burning. So it's pretty 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 heavy duty stuff. It's very odd. We were watching an episode of Elementary last night, which is. I think one of the best shows on TV. Uh, it's just finished. And there was a uh, criminal who ran past a person and flung acid in their faces. And just mm-hmm. the prospect of that happening to you is so... Mm. No, it's so terrible. Dreadful. And what do you yeah. do? I mean, you know... I mean, if you get, if you get petrol in your eyes... Um, look, there are so many insidious things out there that, um, that give off a vapor. And many, many chemicals and acids give off vapor at, at room temperature. I mean, if you open up a bottle of methylated spirits, for example, um, it's 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 pungent. Um, or, or what about when you're? What about if you use any of those exit mold products that contain bleach? I mean, how strong is that? If you use that, um, you know, you you clean your bathroom and you want to get rid of all the mold, yeah. and you give it a good clean with bleach. I mean, you can't stay in that environment. It, it's toxic, and that's bleach. This all kind of puts me in mind of something that was actually asked. Like last year, um, late last year, and I've just looked it up. It was a question from Julie Bridge, and it was a question for you, Dad. How many murderers or rapists do you estimate a normal person would encounter in their lifetime just going about their regular business and not realizing it? Now, because this is a fire brigade podcast, I'd be very curious as to your perspective on that in terms of the fire brigade. Um, How many people do you think that we interact with every day who have lit fires, committed crimes, or done things that, you know, have to be sorted out in that respect? I would say, I'd say a fairly high number of people. Right. I think uh, all humans are capable of doing terrible things. Mm. I think um, there's a very, very. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sprouting a whole bunch of cliches, and there's no other way of putting what I'm saying. 
I'm not going to come up with something new and unique because it's all been said before. But having worked in the police force, having worked in the work cover authority, having worked in the fire brigade and having run a funeral home yeah, and having been in St John's Ambulance as a cadet, I feel well qualified to say, and I'm 60 now, so I've been working, I started my first job when I was 12, so it's a couple of years you know, under my belt. Mm. I've met a lot of people, I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of crims, I've worked with a lot of whack jobs, and I'd say it's a very fine veneer, and I'd say that pretty well everyone in the world, given the right opportunity, the right circumstances, um, are capable of doing some pretty bad things. Um, having said that, I also believe that most people in the world of all races and creeds at the, at the end of the day when they come home and, you know, look, I think most people are good. I mean, a lot of things happen in people's minds, of course, and most people, that's where it stays. But some people, for, for lots of reasons, they it, it manifests itself from a thought into an action. And that's why it's so tough, um, like in London, Recently, what was it, Friday or Saturday night, the stabbing, where three people were stabbed and a couple of others, or three died. And you just think to yourself, um, wow, I'd hate to be in that situation. And how unlucky were those people to be there at that particular point in time? But then you think, my rationale for all that is that, I mean, how often have I won the lottery? Mm, I've never really won the big one. And by golly, I've sunk a fair bit of money into the lottery over the years. And there are two schools of thought. You've got to be in it to win it, but have you wasted all that money? But the chances of winning the lottery are so, so slim and they're probably on par with something weird and terrible happening to you in your life. And that's why most people go through life and never experience quite often anything horrendous or maybe one horrendous incident. But think about all the emergency service personnel and people that go to war and people that work in hospitals Think of the things they see pretty well a daily, maybe a weekly basis, and it's constant. And some people in life can compartmentalise these things, I can, and and just move on and talk about it and and then sort of like a, like a switch, I can switch on, switch off. Like when we do these podcasts, after the podcast, we have a bit of a joke, you know, we, we just slot back into normal day-to-day life, but some people can't do that. They they main they sort of remain in this this sort of emotional hell. Do you think you have it within you to not commit crimes? But I mean, you've obviously seen a lot of things. Like, what are the odds of that affecting you and kind of skewing your moral compass? Do you think? Do you think seeing so many crimes, seeing the worst of people, has potentially you know uh, moves you a little in one way or the other? No. Well, I guess um, one thing that I think about having dealt with criminals is that I would never want to get caught. Mm. which doesn't mean which kind of means I wouldn't be prepared to do the the crime um because I would not like to go to jail. I've been into jails, been into lots and lots of jails. And um they're creepy places and they're 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 scary. And um you you talk to any prisoner no matter how tough they are, yeah. I imagine, but you know, I've heard over the years that on their first night it's um you know they don't don't get a lot of sleep. And I guess a lot of people just try and avoid places like that. Paul, I believe that 
Um, we also have a question from a guy in Adelaide who was asking about what are the um, what I thought were the um, the things that make up a firefighter in terms of does it take a particular type of person, right, to be a firefighter or mm. and I guess you could argue or or follow that through into you know the the ambulance service and um, and that reminds me really really important I think we need to give a shout out to the um, the SES do you have SES down in uh, Melbourne. I don't know. State emergency services. Uh, we have them up here. So whenever there's a big storm or something, because I had some feedback, and I, I'm sorry to the person that wrote to me about two weeks ago, and they just said, look, John, you've been going on about the fireies, the police, and the ambos. What about the SES? And I felt I had a... I just thought, shit, I, how could I have not mentioned them? And you know when there's a big storm in Melbourne or in any capital city, you get these amazing volunteers that come along, Paul? Mm. And then they wear their, their orange overalls up here and they get in there with chainsaws in, in all sorts of conditions and they put the tarps over the houses and they, they do an incredible job. And I, look, please, I'm sorry that I hadn't mentioned the SES and, uh, over the last season, but but I am now and, and you know they do a wonderful job as well. Mm. But in terms of, um, I think that the thrust of the question was in terms of um, what type of person does it take to, is there a certain personality type yeah but i'd have to say no it takes all sorts and you need all sorts of people don't you you don't think there's a certain type of temperament or a certain type of character that even they look for when you try and join the fire brigade because i'm sure there's lots of listeners who are like do i have the kind of personality type and this kind of energy that would suit that career like do you think there's there's do you think it's kind of just takes all types of people? Most definitely. When I look at both my classes in the mm. police and the fire brigade, the classes were made up of the most, the most interesting and different, all the different types of personalities. I think it'd be really bad in any big service like that to, to go for one type of person. And I don't think you could anyway, because some people are really good at pretending to be something that they're not. Yeah. And yeah, I worked with so many different personalities and I think it made for a, for a far richer uh, service. Well, yeah, there's, you know, not, there's pretty much nothing more useful for, you know, absolutely nailing the field you're in than having a lot of diversity in terms of the people who are actually there and the worldviews and, hmm. you know. You know, um, diversity is so important. Absolutely. Do you think there's many, and this is kind of a question for you listeners, if any of you have decided to join the fire brigade or the police force as a result of listening to um, dad's stories or reading the books, then please let us know because honestly, we would like to know whether we've had a hand in any career changes. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm forgetting some people who've gotten in touch with us years ago when we first started saying, look, I was on the fence and you kind of pushed me over and now I'm... You know, I just, I just think it's really cool that that your stories could be influencing people's lives in that way, Dad. Hmm. You know, well, I hope so. I, yeah. I certainly hope so. And also, there's something that you've kind of been hinting at over the past couple of episodes, and it's something we've been really, really excited about. And look, so next episode, Dad and I are finally going to delve into a story that we've been sort of circling around for some time, and it's going to be a very, very heavy episode, and we just want to make sure that listeners know that we'll be discussing uh, death by suicide and bullying, because those are two very, very big things that Dad encountered in the fire brigade. So 
if you already know ahead of time that that's not for you, then we would recommend you take a breather on Friday's episode and join us again next Monday. But even before we get to the episode, you all know that Dad and I really do believe that it's important to reach out and talk to people if you're struggling. So if you want to give Lifeline a call, their number is 131114. And Beyond Blue, a fantastic organization, their number is 1300-224-636. So... As I've just said, next week's episode will deal with predominantly death by suicide and bullying in the fire brigade and uh, I think in the emergency services, but mainly the fire brigade. And if you think that's something you're not up for, that's totally cool. Sometimes this podcast gets a little bit intense, but we are really looking forward to diving into these things and dad's going to be really dredging up some stuff and we're going to be talking from the heart and we're really going to try and do it justice so if you have any questions about that or if you want to kind of weigh in before the episode feel free to hop across to our facebook page it's uh, facebook.com forward slash loose units and if you have any other random stuff for us feel free to you know send that across to our facebook page as well dad is there anything else you want to sign off with before we go well i'd like to say that i really enjoyed this season and i think it's um a fitting finale to discuss what you've just outlined it's a topic that um i will dread very carefully and warily with but i can speak to the listeners in relation to these particular things and i'm sure they transcend all emergency services and they definitely go into the military as well yeah it's not an australian problem it's a it's an international problem yeah so i shall be going to that with you um but but um so that's sort of the finale and you know i don't want to sort of go out on a on a low note but it's something that we've needed to talk about because it's yeah. a, a problem. And then maybe, Paul, you can mention what the new season's going to be about. Well, the next season of Loose Units is going to be about Dad's time in the funeral industry. So Dad naturally made a very strange move away from the fire brigade to running a funeral home. We've talked about it. It's been in the... Um, it's actually been talked about in the podcast on and off, but we are going to do a full season on it. So the next season of Loose Units is going to be called Loose Units Dead Serious. And it's going to be an absolutely jam-packed season. It's going to start very, very shortly. There's basically going to be no gap between this season and the next. We're just going to keep this party rolling because we really want to just keep keep bringing you content. So, mm. so we're really looking forward to that. So we'll see you on Friday for another episode of Loose Units. Bye. Cheerio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.